Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Sue Bianbak. Let's take a look at our top stories. President Biden in a surprise visit to Kyiv. He announces an additional half billion dollars in aid, as well as lasting U.S. support for Ukraine. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis says the concentration of power in Washington, D.C. needs to be broken up. Find out what he's proposing. Update on January 6th, a capital breach investigation. Newport motions allege three police officers spurred on the protests. President Biden made a surprise visit to Ukrainian capital today. The trip marks a show of solidarity with the war-torn country just days ahead of the first anniversary of the Russians' invasion. President Joe Biden made an unannounced visit to Kyiv, his first to the war zone since taking office. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky received his guest outside the Marinsky Palace. He said the visit was an extremely important sign of support for all Ukrainians. Thank you very much for coming, Mr. President. That is a huge moment of supporting of the Ukraine. And um, what can I say? I really appreciate that President Biden, American society, being from the very beginning of this tragedy, from the very beginning of this full-scale war, from the first days being together with us, first phone call of support was from White House to Ukraine. The two leaders visited St. Michael's Golden Domed Monastery in Kyiv. As an air raid siren sounded, the two paid tribute to fallen Ukrainian soldiers memorialized on one of the cathedral's walls. At a joint press conference, Biden recalled the fears one year ago that Russian forces might take over the Ukrainian capital. That dark night, one year ago, the world was literally at the time bracing for the fall of Kyiv. Seems like a lot longer ago than a year, but think back to that year. Perhaps even the end of Ukraine. You know, one year later, Kyiv stands, and Ukraine stands, democracy stands. The Americans stand with you, and the world stands with you. Zelensky said their talks brought the two countries closer to a joint victory. Biden's visit came ahead of a scheduled visit to Warsaw, Poland. He pledged another $500 million in military aid for Kyiv. The assistance will include howitzer shells, anti-tank missiles, and air surveillance radar, but not the new advanced weaponry that Kyiv has been seeking. Zelensky has pressed Western powers to provide fighter jets, but the Allies are reluctant to do so. That's out of fear of escalating the war, which then might cross over the border into NATO-allied countries. Zelensky said he spoke with Biden about possible long-range weapons supplies to Ukraine, but didn't offer details. Biden also said he would announce further sanctions against Russia later in the week. What do people in Moscow think of the Russian president's decision to send troops into Ukraine a year ago? Here are some of the things people are willing to say despite restrictions on speech. It's a pity that people die and they could not resolve it peacefully. But in general, I don't want there to be NATO missiles deployed near our borders. Some have mixed feelings and can understand both sides' motivations in the war. 
Others are wondering how the conflict will affect their future. My mental state has changed. My anxiety has increased. It's not clear what the future holds. That scares me a lot because we are students. Many wanted to go abroad to study for a master's degree. That's not possible now. You have to look for other options. Those are probably the main things. Fear for the future and general emotional instability. In other cases, people are trying to adapt to the situation and get on with their lives. But they are not always certain even how to speak about the issue. I mostly speak to people my age. They don't really broach the topic. Everyone is trying to hunker down and move on. Most people I know are getting on with their own things despite all that. They're adapting, so to speak. A BBC report mentions how it is difficult to gauge how Russians feel since a law forbids them from discrediting the country's military or to referring to the military action as a war. A Russian actress in the report says Moscow residents in the subway no longer look each other in the eye. Outwardly, everything is fine. The only thing is that I worry about a friend who's been drafted into the army and the guys that are there. The U.S. has warned that dual U.S.-Russian citizens should leave Russia, as they could also be drafted into Russia's military or face restrictions on their movements, and the U.S. consulate may not be able to help. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov has said dual U.S.-Russian citizens are primarily Russian citizens, regardless of what citizenship they have. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has a message for China. He says providing arms and ammunition to Russia would be a serious problem. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story. Blinken says the U.S. has long feared China would provide weapons to Russia. Chinese leader Xi Jinping promised Russia a partnership with no limits last year. That was just weeks before Putin sent his troops into Ukraine. Since then, ties between the two countries have only grown stronger. According to Blinken, information from U.S. intelligence now suggests China is considering providing such arms to Russia. Blinken met with the CCP's most senior foreign policy official, Wang Yi, in Munich over the weekend. He said, quote, it was important for me to share very clearly with Wang Yi that this would be a serious problem. Russian forces have been on the offensive in eastern Ukraine. Blinken estimates that Russia has 97 percent of its ground troops in the country. The Russians are eager to capture territory before Ukraine receives the more advanced weapons recently pledged by the U.S. and others. Senator Lindsey Graham says the world should come down hard on China if it provides lethal weapons to Russia. He compared such a move, in his words, to buying a ticket on the Titanic after you saw the movie. Graham says it would be the most catastrophic thing that could happen to the U.S.-China relationship. Meanwhile, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. called the Chinese arming Russia a red line. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says too much power has accumulated in Washington, D.C. In an interview with the New York Post, he called for multiple departments of federal government leave the nation's capital. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. DeSantis says the result of the power accumulation is a detached administrative state that rules over people and imposes its will on them. He believes that parceling out federal agencies to other parts of the country is the way forward. The Florida governor feels it's a step that could help reduce the negative effects of such a concentration of power, while adding that there are, quote, a host of things that need to be done to reconstitutionalize government. The governor's latest comments are similar to those made by Trump during his initial campaign. Back then, Trump pledged to drain the swamp and curb the power and influence that Washington has over ordinary Americans. 
DeSantis is widely seen as a likely 2024 presidential candidate, but has yet to formally announce any campaign. In a possible prelude to that run, the Florida governor has regularly taken aim at the Biden administration over a variety of issues, including the southern border. DeSantis and the Biden administration have also clashed on the teaching of critical race theory, or CRT, in schools. CRT is a Marxist ideology that redefines human history as a struggle between the oppressors, typically considered to be white people, and the oppressed other identity groups. I think a lot of people realize you know, academia writ large across the country has really lost its way. DeSantis said, quote, virtually every major institution in our country is attempting to impose a progressive agenda on society. In his words, Florida strives to protect the ability of its citizens to live their lives free from this agenda being shoved down their throats. President Biden took aim at DeSantis for blocking an AP course on African-American studies, which reportedly had CRT elements. The president shared a Washington Post article in which Florida parents condemned DeSantis's move. Biden tweeted, quote, I think every kid in every zip code in every state should have access to every education opportunity possible. I guess for some, that isn't the consensus view. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. New court motions filed by a January 6th defendant allege police and federal agents' involvement in the breach at the Capitol and doing more than just trying to stop it. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the newly disclosed court documents. January 6th defendant William Pope of Topeka, Kansas, is defending himself against seven criminal counts brought by federal prosecutors in February 2021. According to new court motions filed by Pope, three undercover Metropolitan Police Department officers joined the march of protesters up the northwest side of the Capitol before the breach. One of the motions states one of the officers pushed protesters in front of him to advance and urged them on. It states the officer joined the crowd in chanting, Drain the Swamp and Whose House, Our House, and asked for help in climbing over a barricade, compelling others to do the same. The motion says another officer who walked behind Ashley Babbitt predicted someone was going to get shot. Video from the undercover officers is under court seal. Pope argued in his motions that the Justice Department is trying to prevent him from accessing the full January 6 evidence databases. He's asked U.S. District Judge Rudolph Contreras to compel the DOJ to give him full access to discovery materials. Pope says footage shot by the undercover officers clearly evidences them urging the crowds to advance up the stairs and scaffolding toward the Capitol. Police body cam footage included with Pope's filings also show uniformed officers complaining they were set up to fail that day. I didn't know we were coming up for this. I would have made sure we all had our masks. I didn't realize how bad. I, they set us up to fail. They did. There was no way we were winning that. They set us up. <laughs> they set up 64. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And then they asked yeah. you to come two win. hours later. They set us up. Officers stopping four armed men in plain clothes who turned out to be federal agents before allowing them to go on their way. Yes, we're all oh, police. Police? Yeah, <laughs> law enforcement. Yeah. Show me your credentials. And video showing a police officer imploring protesters to keep marching towards the Capitol after former President Trump's speech. Information in the court papers could rekindle the debate about the role undercover officers and agents played in the Capitol breach and why the Department of Justice and federal judges have kept the evidence under seal and away from public view. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Just ahead, North Korea launched two more missiles this morning. 
the move was widely condemned and is adding to already high tensions in the region. Artificial intelligence and the military, 60 countries have pledged to use it responsibly. Find out what that looks like and what the pledge didn't include here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. North Korea fired two short-range ballistic missiles toward its eastern waters early this morning. It followed other missile tests conducted on Saturday. The U.S. responded yesterday with joint air exercises that included South Korea and Japan. Here's Antiris Kostemines to tell us more. North Korea's most recent missile drills are the second in three days. The country's state-run television KRT released still photographs of its latest weapon test, which followed an intercontinental ballistic missile launch Saturday. The US, South Korea and Japan responded with joint air exercises on Sunday, which North Korea condemned as an invasion rehearsal. North Korea has threatened to take an unprecedentedly strong response to the drills. Kim Yo-jong, the sister of North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, warns U.S. forces to hold any military drills in the region, saying the reclusive nuclear state could turn the Pacific into a firing range. She also accused the United States of trying to turn the U.N. Security Council into a, quote, tool for its highness hostile policy toward Pyongyang. According to some experts, North Korea is pushing for more powerful weapons, effectively increasing its leverage in potential negotiations with the U.S. According to Japan's defense ministry, the two missiles reached a maximum altitude between 35 and 65 miles. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff decried the launches as a grave provocation that should be seized immediately. Saturday's missile launch was North Korea's first since early January. Kost MNS, NTD News. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said his country has requested a UN Security Council emergency meeting following the launches. A preliminary briefing is scheduled for later today. And Japan's top spokesperson said Japan had launched a protest to North Korea over the launches, saying they're unacceptable and fuel tension in the region. Sixty nations, including the U.S. and China, supporting a call to action. The message, all countries must use artificial intelligence, or AI, responsibly in their military development. NTD's Tiffany Meyer brings us this report. By signing the statement, nations showed their commitment to using military AI based on international legal obligations and in a way that does not undermine international security, stability and accountability. The pledge was made during the first international summit on military AI. The Netherlands and South Korea co-hosted the gathering at The Hague. Human rights experts and academics noted the statement isn't legally binding, and critics say it fails to address concerns like AI-guided drones, slaughter bots that could kill with no human intervention, or the risk that an AI could escalate a military conflict. Organizers did not invite Russia following its 2022 invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine chose not to attend. That's as the nation has made use of facial recognition and AI-assisted targeting systems in its fight with Moscow. 
Israel participated in the conference but did not sign the statement. The U.S. and other powerful countries have been reluctant to agree to any legal limits on using AI. That's for fear that restricting the technology could put them at a disadvantage to rivals. But what exactly are its military applications? AI can process vast amounts of data very quickly, making it ideal for assessing threats, analyzing scenarios, and even boosting cybersecurity. It can also aid in training for troops and even help find qualified recruits. All of that while reducing the amount of manpower and time needed to achieve goals. Happy President's Day! A museum in New York City pays a tribute to George Washington by showcasing him in a way you might not have seen before. A treasure hunter goes after Civil War-era gold, but he's convinced that the FBI stole the treasure. A new release of documents sheds light on the controversy. We'll have the details soon when we return. Today is President's Day. For many people, George Washington is not only one of our founding fathers, but also America's first superhero. An exhibition at the Francis Tavern Museum in Lower Manhattan is paying tribute to the American legend in a special way. The Francis Tavern Museum is putting together an exhibition called Cloaked Crusader, George Washington in comics and pop culture. It showcases George Washington alongside comic book superheroes. The, I really don't think there, there was anyone else that could have taken the, those um, chain of events, the things that we were going through, and brought it to a successful conclusion like he did. When you look at what he did, it really was miraculous. So, you know, even though he wasn't able to fly or time travel, he was so much, <laughs> so many other things. And he really was our first superhero. Exhibition curator Renee Witterstatter said Washington's legacy endures. And many of the creators at DC Comics at the time were immigrants or the children of immigrants that had come here after World War II who were also trying to find their way. Um, Washington, if you think about his history, was someone who, along with the other founding fathers and the people of this new nation, were also trying to find their way. So all of these stories resonate with each other. Witterstetter said Washington was a source of hope for many. So you needed somebody that would help define why it was that we were doing this and how it was beneficial and, and what we could do, how we could you know, decide our own destiny. And that is why he is so timeless, even though people now, some people may have not realized the importance of what he did and how he did it. Um, it is still a fabric of who we are. The exhibition at the Francis Tavern Museum will run for two years. Washington's birthday officially became President's Day in 1971 with the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. That law shifted Washington's birthday, Columbus Day, Memorial Day, and Veterans Day to fall on Mondays. The goal was to create more three-day weekends in the hope that it would boost productivity on working days. A short time later, the observance of Washington's birthday became known as President's Day. A treasure hunter looking for Civil War-era gold is more convinced than ever of an FBI cover-up. Now, a court has released a trove of government photos, videos, maps, and other documents. Entities Andrew Thomas has the details on the dispute. 
Uh, it could have come from here. Treasure hunter Dennis Parada is in a legal battle with the FBI. He's demanding that the Bureau turn over records of its excavation in Dent's Run, Pennsylvania. For the last six to eight months, uh, my attorneys have been getting uh, photographs and uh, information from the FBI files, and I've gone over everything. And from day one, uh, to me, it was like a joke. Uh, everything I'm seeing just does not fit. According to local legend, an 1863 shipment of Union gold disappeared in the town while on its way to the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia. Parada led the FBI to a site where tests indicated the gold might be buried. The Bureau has insisted that the dig came up empty. I went back the day after they dug with all my equipment and uh, we didn't get no more gold or silver readings. Uh, a week or two before that we had plenty of gold and silver readings, so hey, I believe it's gold. Parada and his advisors accused the FBI of distorting key evidence and withholding records. The FBI defends its handling of the material. Last year, the FBI publicly acknowledged for the first time that it had been looking for the gold in Dent's Run. The Bureau said it didn't find any. Parada suspects the FBI conducted a secret overnight dig, found the gold, and took it away. The FBI has denied it performed an overnight dig. If they say this was taken at 645, they can't, you can't have the uh, sun, highlights, shadows, and no snow and say that was taken at 640 minutes before total darkness and it was after a snowstorm? This rock is still bare. A federal judge has yet to rule on the case. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Mental exhaustion or burnout is common and is the result of brain overactivity. Let's look at how to recognize it and get through it. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. Mental exhaustion can be recognized as a feeling of being burned out. It comes from excessive long-term stress. It may manifest as physical, emotional, and behavioral symptoms. Let's look at each beginning with physical, then how to recover. These may include feelings of being tired most of the time, an increased tendency for becoming sick, frequent headaches, back pain, or muscle aches. You may also notice changes in appetite and sleep habits. Next, let's look at the emotional symptoms. These can manifest as symptoms of helplessness. You may feel trapped and defeated by an overwhelming sense of mental stress. A sense of self-doubt and failure may encompass the majority of your thoughts throughout the day. You may isolate yourself and develop a pessimistic view of the world and life in general. And finally, let's look at the behavioral symptoms. You may notice yourself not spending as much time with your friends and family due to tiredness, procrastination and withdrawing from previous responsibilities. Eating habits may change, such as eating more or eating less, and may include the use of alcohol or drugs. Next, let's look at how to recover. One of the biggest reasons for stress accumulation is the lack of time allocated to relieving it. If you have no outlet to relieve stress, it will continually build up. Spend some time to de-stress after work in a quiet location. Also consider meditation or prayer. Being around excessive noise and light can bombard the senses and lead to stress. Your body is most relaxed when sitting in a dimly lit, quiet room with minimal distraction. 
Also, electronic devices can cause eye fatigue, headaches and insomnia. Be sure to give them a break. Visit a park on the weekend or another green space. This can help give you a sensory reset. Not all things are worth doing. Some of the unimportant aspects of your life may be the biggest contributors to your stress. And finally, let's look at priorities. Let go of the unnecessary baggage that may be causing your mental exhaustion. This is a great method for recovery. And that's all for today's program. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sue Bamba, NTD News, New York City.